The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, good morning. morning. I want to welcome all of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to begin the new year by saying, may the God of all grace and peace be with you and upon you in this new year. Let's pray. God, you are the one who makes all things new. And you're the giver of all new gifts. And you've given us another year. And for that, we are thankful. And so is our prayer at this time, every time we gather here on Sunday morning. We thank you for your word. For it is our life. It was our life last year. It will be our life this year. We ask for ears to hear. We ask for hearts to follow. And we'll ask for lives that will obey. And God, I ask for the gift of preaching. It's in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray, amen. What's appropriate to talk about new things, a new year. And as Kelly said, We are, as a church, highly anticipating all the new things that God is going to do in this year. We always anticipate God's new work in a new year, but particularly this year. God is doing something new. And the question that Isaiah has for us is, do you perceive it? And some of it's easy to perceive, but there may be other things that we need to perceive as well. And so in this new year, I want to remind us, begin by reminding us of who we are as a church, as we enter into God's newness, the new year, the new things that God has for us. And this is who we've said we are. We're a fellowship of Christ followers who are being transformed into the image of Christ in order that we may fill our communities with his presence so that many will find their way back to God. And you hear us talk a lot about gather, grow, go. That's our strategy for the kind of transformation and the filling of our communities that we intend to do. And so we are a people that gather under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We're a people that are trying to grow into his image. We're a people who are sent to go and love his world. And over the next few weeks, Brett and I will be preaching on Gather, Grow, Go. We want to go a little bit deeper and remind ourselves, remind this congregation that we're organizing our lives around the Lordship of Jesus in our gathering. That we intend to be people that are open to transformation, that grow into his image. And to be responsive to his call to go and to love the world. So Brett and I will be preaching over the next three weeks about that. And some of the other things that are on the horizon for this congregation in the new year. We're going to put some of them hopefully up on the board. If not, that's okay. But of course, as Kelly said, in case you missed this, we're going to move. It's a great time for a new beginning. And let me say this, that 
I know this church and its history, and I know many of you, that we know this to be true, that it, the church is not the building. I see a lot of head shaking. That's good. If you don't know that, the church is not the building. But let me say this. It doesn't mean that buildings aren't important. And they're important if they do this for us. If they allow us to become the people who God is calling us to be and to serve and to do the work God is calling us to do. If the building is not about who we are or about a primary marker of identity, but allows us to become who God intends us to be, that's why buildings are important. And so in some ways, I want to strike this balance that we're excited about this new place. But I want to remind you that the church is not the building. But in essence, it's a tool that allows us to become God's church. God's people. We're also uh, going to continue with all the mission stuff that we do at this church. We're going to continue supporting the five different uh, mission teams and mission works that we support. February, next month, the missions month. We want you to begin thinking about that and beginning to Open your heart to responding to God's call and providing the kind of financial assistance that's needed. There's also planning going on for the teens to go back in 2019 on a mission project. And there is conversations, although that thing's solidified, so we're interested in hearing from you. There is conversations about, in 2019, doing a church mission project. Not only something for the teens, but for the rest of us. And so if you're interested in that, come and talk to me. Come and talk to Brett. Talk to Celeste. We're going to begin something new this year in 2018. An event that we're going to hold on Wednesday nights. Not every Wednesday night, but on occasion called The Table. We gather around the table of the Lord. Not just these tables, but tables of fellowship where we get to know each other better and it's intentional that not only we get to know each other better but it's a time where we're hospitable to our neighbors we can share food we can share fellowship and we can share faith and get to know one another we're very much intending this to be a time where not only you encourage those of us sitting in this room to attend but invite your neighbors invite people that are that are longing for community to come and share a table with us. In the Gospel of Luke, one of Jesus, the primary place where Jesus does ministry is around the table. And so we want to be a people that are welcoming around God's table and fellowship and encourage one another and can welcome strangers. We're also going to begin, or we've done this before at the Springs, but begin again friend speak. Where we're going to offer... English, practicing, practicing conversational English while using Scripture. And so these are for those in our community that want to learn English, that perhaps are strangers to our community, to strangers in a sense that if they don't know English very well, they want to practice that. It's a way to develop relationships, actually offer service to those who find themselves. If you've never been in another country where you don't know the language, how alone you feel to share the word of God, and to reach out to our neighbors. So we're going to need 
a whole group of people to sign up and, and be a part of that. We're also going to continue to nurture and celebrate our children and our teens. One of the things that marks this church is that we celebrate children. And we want to continue to nurture our teens in faith and in service and in love. And we want to continue to build our connections groups. Connections groups, if you don't know at this congregation, this is a way that we want to go a little bit deeper in connecting with people. We want to continue to build those up, to sustain those, to enrich those, to deepen those relationships. And so if you're not a part of a connections group, we want to invite you to, to explore that with us. Because we think that that's where ministry and growth happens. God is doing something this year. We're confident of it. And we don't know that all that God is doing, but we're confident in it because we've been planning to move to a new building for more than three years now. The question is, what else will God do with that? What else does God have in store for us? Isaiah says, he's doing a new thing. And then he asks the question, do you perceive it? Are your eyes open? Are you attentive enough to perceive what God is doing? Have no doubt, make no mistake, God is doing a new thing in this congregation. There are already things that we already can perceive. The question is, what are the new things that are on the horizon for us? And will we be ready to receive them and live into the work of God amongst us? New Year's resolutions have probably been made. And I want to challenge you with one that's not just for you, but for this congregation today. Our text this morning will come from 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning of verse 7 through 11. And this is not a text or a New Year's resolution that we intend to personally break by February. But I think this is a challenge and a, a resolution to commit to these things because of what God is doing that's new that has implications for our lives as, as a body to perceive what is God doing amongst us? What is the Holy Spirit working out amongst us? So 1 Peter 4, beginning of verse 7, says this, the word of the Lord. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and have a serious mind so that you may pray. And above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks... They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Here's what I want you to notice about this new year. Here's what I want you to notice about 
this text for this new year. It is clear that God is doing something. But the question for us is, will we be attentive and will we be able to perceive it? And so I want to challenge you from 1 Peter this morning about some very intentional practices and ways of thinking about this new year that will get us ready to receive what God is doing and live into that reality. First of all, 1 Peter says this. He says the end is near. The early church lived by that reality. In fact, if they were going to make a vision statement or a mission statement, it would be informed by the reality that Christ was going to come back very soon. So it shaped all their conversations. It shaped much of all their ethics, how they behaved, what, who they were, who they understood themselves to be, and what they were supposed to do in the world. For Peter, it's the return of Christ and God's judgment that will make things right. But in general, Christians believe that the work of God in our lives and in the world could break in at any moment. So in one sense, when Peter says the end is near, he's talking about that final judgment. In another sense, he's saying the end is near is that God in general can just break in at any moment. And you know why they believe this? It's because God and Jesus Christ broke in. And then, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit breaks into the church. So the church is used to this. They said, we better pay attention. You never know when God's going to show up. That is distinctly a Christian posture. To live in anticipation... Hey, we better pay attention. We better be ready. You never know when God's going to show up. In fact, living with the end in mind is something that even culturally that we do. Some of you may remember a book by Stephen Covey. He wrote a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Anybody ever read that book? Remember that book? Number two, it's been a long time, but I... Actually, I was reminded of it this week in thinking about this. But number two, one of the habits, he says, of a highly effective person, he says, is to begin with the end in mind. Which in some ways is what Peter's saying. Whenever you begin. You begin a new year. You begin thinking about vision. You begin thinking about what you're going to do. You begin with the end in mind. And I don't know this for sure, but I have no doubt whether Stephen Covey's a Christian or not, that it's shaped by this Christian idea. But one of the key differences between what Stephen Covey says about this and what Scripture understands about this is Stephen Covey says, you begin with the end in mind. You begin by thinking what you want to be. Think about at the end of the year or at the end of whatever journey you're on, think about who you want to be or what you want to be. And the distinct difference between what Stephen Covey says and then how Scripture understands it is the Scripture is not asking you to think about what you want to be. Scripture is saying, how is God shaping you? What is God's intent for you? 
What does God want you to be? What's God's ultimate goal? And so this year, I want to challenge you, as a congregation, begin with the end in mind. Not about what you want to be, but about who God wants this congregation to be. And he says, in order to do that, there's several things that we need to do. He says, one, be alert and be sober or be serious. You have to be, pay attention. So it's not this, just that God has come back and so we can celebrate. It's no, he's coming back. He's going to break in. Pay attention. Take this very, very seriously so that you can pray. This is his first move. And it's not just prayer that is reactionary to all the crises that come up. I mean, that's how prayer usually goes for much of us, that a crisis comes up and we begin praying. He says, no, it's not that kind of prayer. It's not just a prayer that's just like a bucket, a bucket list or a wish list of praying. I get caught praying sometimes, and it's like my Christmas wish list. But it's a kind of prayer that's day and night that, kind of, that, that dwells on what God's doing. In other words, prayer is not crisis response. And it's not just wish list. That if you take Jesus' prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer is not so much response to crisis, although we pray when there's crisis, not just a wish list, but prayer is a practice of actually praying your way into God's world. Can we pray our way into God's ending? If we think about the end of the year and what God is doing, can we pray in our way into God's present and promised future? God, what's your will? And may your kingdom come and your will be done. On earth, this is. And so he asks us to be attentive in prayer. And then he says, love each other deeply. For love covers a multitude of sins. For if he asks us to be attentive and alert in prayer in our communion with God, or as Jesus might say, Watch and pray. He then turns and says, you're not only attentive to God and what God is doing, but you're also, this is how you're attentive to one another. Be attentive to God and be attentive to one another. Pay attention to those sitting around you. And here's how you do it, love. And the essence of what he's saying is he's saying, don't slack off in the work of love. Love has this sentiment of good feelings and lightheartedness. It has this emotional flavor to it, which it should. It's a very nice word. 
But what I find in reality is that there are some times when loving brings up all those good emotions and it's really easy. But what I really find is that word, love, is a very, very difficult practice. The older I get, the more I realize love is where the real hard work is. Let me give you an example. Many of you know this from your family, probably. Sometimes it's most difficult to love people who you're closest with. Rod, you said I do. Okay, let's say, let's do it this way. This is not going to work. Judy, you said I do. But Rod is sometimes very hard to love. I almost did it the other way, and that was a big mistake. You know it's hard work. It is no joke to love, to do the real work of love. And sometimes it's hard to love the people who we find things most in common and share life with together. They're the people that often annoy us the most. There are other people you can walk away from, but you can't walk away from your family. I mean, you can, but that's not love. In the same way, we're family. You can walk away from your family. But that's not love. And you all this, your experience, when Peter says, because love covers a multitude of sins, I imagine it's like this that happens in my family. Is that everybody has their bad day. And it's, sometimes it's just, yeah, you have a, you're having a bad day. Sometimes there's no excuse for it. But everybody has a bad day. Is grumpy, in a bad mood, um, saying things they shouldn't stay, doing things they shouldn't do. And my temptation is, and I've talked to Kim about this this morning, but when she's in a bad mood, to respond back to her in a bad mood. Well, if you're going to be that way, I'm going to give it back to you. Have you ever experienced that? But here's what I find that can happen, and then all of a sudden, one person's in a bad mood, and the whole family is in a bad mood. Now, we could talk about the responsibility of that one person, but I don't want to talk about that one person today. I want to talk about the rest of the family. Because I've come in a bit in bad moods and said things that were hateful and hurtful, grouchy, yelling, irate, feeling, not feeling justice is happening to me. And instead of Kim and the kids responding back to me in kind, the same way, they've actually just at times loved me. And it's changed the mood. It's covered a whole multitude of sins in my life. Instead of produced greater and greater sin. And so I want to remind you this morning that there's hard work to be done. Transitions aren't easy. And even a group this size, we're going to find people that are going to be in bad moods. They're going to be grumpy. You're going to disagree with them. 
You might think they're totally wrong, but let me challenge you with this. Do the hard work of love, because love covers a multitude of sins. Paul says this is love. Love is patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Let me challenge you to be a congregation that is sustained and known for its love. And if we're to be attentive to God in prayer and attentive to one another in love, Peter says we're being attentive to those who are strangers to us with hospitality. And we've talked about this, that hospitality comes from this word, this love of stranger, that we love strangers. And loving strangers can be a difficult thing to do because strangers are strange to us. And I guarantee there's going to be people in this next year that are be strange to us that are going to walk through our doors and walk into our lives. And I want to challenge you not only to pray and to love one another, but to be ready in hospitality. Because you never know what God's going to do. When I graduated college, I worked at Cascade College, moved to Portland, Oregon, and actually met Kim up in the Northwest in my time there. And I remember when I was working at Cascade College, very, very small Christian school, was associated with Oklahoma Christian. The president at the time, Dennis Lynn, would always have this saying. He was very, would always say this in our meetings. He would say this. He said, students are an interruption of our work. Students are our work. To which I would always think in my head, yeah, but I get a lot more work done when students aren't around. The reason that you're here is because of the life that you share together, I assume. The reason you're here is that you want to grow in Christ, that you want to come and worship and recognize Him. And so the temptation is to think someone from outside can come in and be an interruption to our life together, to be an interruption to our worship to be an interruption to growth. But as Dennis Lynn said, I'm going to take that to my own, that strangers aren't an interruption of our life together. They're not an interruption of our worship. They're not an interruption of our spiritual growth. Strangers are our work. Because when I was a stranger, Jesus says, you took me in. And that's why strangers are our work. You never know when God's going to show up. Strangers are not an interruption to this congregation. Strangers are Jesus walking through our door. And finally, he says, whatever gifts you have, serve. 
Pray, love, be hospitable, and serve. This is a year we need all hands on deck. This is a year that we don't need anybody sitting on the sidelines, but to say, how can I serve? In fact, let me tell you a little anecdote from my own life. When I moved to Portland, I was so busy in college and just after I graduated, being so immersed in ministry stuff and at church stuff, I was a Bible major. All I had was Bible classes. I was an intern at a church. So Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I was in charge of the, the, the campus-wide devos. I was chaplain of my social service club. I was all ministried out. And so I took the opportunity when I went to a new place, say, hey, I'm going to sit on the back row and rest for a while. And I did that. And one month turned into three months, and three months turned into six months. And what I found is by sitting and not getting involved in serving, that it actually didn't give me the rest I was looking for. Now, I didn't jump back into the kind of ministry I was doing, but in small ways, there was something therapeutic and healing about doing something that wasn't about me. People are here for a lot of different reasons, but let me tell you this. If you want to find healing, if you want to find rest, I know it seems backwards, but say, how can I serve? What are my gifts and how can I serve? And I think you'll see some transformation. I know this congregation will. And there's so many ways to serve. I can't pass up this opportunity without saying, listing some of the ways you could serve in this congregation. We have delegates who have been charged by the leadership and by the elders to oversee different ministries. Of course, we have worship with Brett. We have all different children's ministries with, with Kelly. Jim Dvorak is in charge of our education, adult education. So some of these people, if you're interested, if you have service by your, your acts or by your words, come talk to us. Come talk to me. We may not know exactly where your gifts fit in, but we want to journey with you. And it may be small, but it doesn't matter if it's small. Every part of the body matters. If one part doesn't work, the rest of the body feels it. And so here's some of our delegates. Steve Shoemaker, who is a delegate of our Connections group that encourage and serve and fellowship. If you're not a part of a Connections group, talk to Steve, talk to, talk to me. There's Cody Boyd, who's in charge of communications. We need people who can make all this work on Sunday mornings. I often tell them in the back doing the sound, thanks for making me sound good, I needed it. There's Moniba Stevens and Ryan Jones, who are delegates over benevolence. If you have gifts or passions of tending to those who are most vulnerable, talk to them. 
There's Gary Piercy, who's delegate over body life, which is helping organize church events and helping make connections, helping, helping different people make connections and reconnect with this congregation. We need help. We need people with eyes and ears that can recognize, hey, this couple's struggling. This individual's struggling. This person's struggling. We need, in the kind of world that we live in, we need, I need lots of eyes looking at me going, is Ben okay? Is John Osborne okay? Are we okay? There's nothing more lonely than if you feel like no one's paying attention. Ian Gillum, who helps prep all our communion. We actually need people that can help make preparations so that our meal where, we're, where Christ is our host and our nourishment and our life that we can celebrate together every Sunday morning. Celeste Dvorak is our missions delegate. We need people who are interested in caring for our missionaries, sending notes, encouraging. Missions month is coming up. We need people to help with that. We need people who are interested in our teens' mission projects and who are actually interested in going as well. Roger Dreyer and Victor Neal and transportation and those that welcome out front. I can't tell you how much joy it is to walk in and have all our greeters greet and just ask how you're doing. We need more people to be able to do that. And finally, Shelley Giddens, who is our delegate for new members. God is going to send us new people in this year, and we need people who will welcome them into our community and welcome them into to the life that God has provided for us here. Where is God calling you to serve in this community? Here's how we anticipate God's new thing. That we begin with the end in mind. That we're alert and we're attentive and we're serious in prayer. Not just prayer for ourselves, but prayer that God, that praying our way into God's new thing. And we're attentive to each other by loving each other. That love covers a multitude of sins. And we're attentive to, attentive to our neighbors and to strangers and hospitality. And most of all, we need all hands on deck this year. That it's actually through serving that we might go, oh, now I see what God's doing. And we participate in that. That's your call as a congregation. And I'm not just calling for you as individuals to do that, but to do that for the church, to begin with the end in mind, to pray, to love, to be hospitable, and to serve for God and for one another. That is what God is calling to you, you to do this new year. So you may perceive the new thing he's doing and we may live into the reality of what God is doing with us. Will you stand and sing?